0: You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church.
1: Heads up, JT's got a bad attitude.
0: There's no (laughs) doubt about that. (laughs) All right, let's go. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay, well, here we go. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm... Joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin, and JT English, who has a great attitude
2: this morning. Right,
0: JT? It's great.
2: I'm feeling great. I got done teaching at my church like nine hours ago. You guys live in Texas, and you record these things at like 6 a.m. Eastern time, so I'm on like four hours of sleep. I've got like, this is like my seventh coffee this morning. Let's do this justification. I'm ready. This is a good topic. I'm just not, just not awake for it, but it'll be great.
1: Punchy JT is my favorite JT.
2: Well, for sure. As long as It feels like that goes one of two directions. I mean, your punching favorite or, or your yeah, least favorite. It goes one of two directions.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with Punchy JT via the digital format we record these in. In-person Punchy JT is actual literal punches uh,
2: And that is do you, guys remember, a vibe. Do you guys remember jump scare scenes like just like I show up at your office and like yell? Yeah,
0: I do yeah, remember oh yeah, them. 100%. Yeah.
2: I miss those days. Mm. Um, I miss a lot about those days and that's not part that's of not it. one
0: of the things. That's not part of it. I but feel like today, it's about
2: like heart health. Hang on. Oh, I was trying, like, to, change. I'm gonna, I'm I'm trying gonna, to change. You probably have a better transition. I, I believe you. Let's go.
0: Okay. Uh I was moving us along, and so I'm going to keep <laughs> that going. But there was here. no
2: transition? You had a moment here. Jump scare scenes, justification, like heart health and the Lord cares you can for your do heart it. adrenaline. Come on, Kyle. You there's can do it. There's a lot of things. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason you don't host this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: there's a reason you have a co-host label. All right. I'm getting uh, the off. Audience I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> uh, 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 well, this season we're exploring the doctrine of salvation. And today we're considering the doctrine of justification. Justification. Martin Luther said it was the doctrine by which the church stands or falls. Uh, Yeah, let's, uh, why don't we start there? Was he right? No. Was Martin Luther right?
2: Oh. No. Whoa. Bang. Right out of the gate. (laughs) No. Yeah, let's go Martin Luther. I wish Martin was on the other (laughs) side of this table right now. You two are. He's not right. I mean, do you guys know what doctrine is? The doctrine on which the church stands or falls? What do you think I'm going
1: to say? I want you to say the doctrine of God, but. Yes. Okay, (laughs) good.
2: Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, justification is absolutely indispensable to the things we believe as Christians and to what we think the Bible teaches about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish for us. So we're not minimizing it in this podcast. We're not saying it's less important, but it Mm -hmm. can't be true if God isn't who he is.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's that's right. And when Luther said it, though— He was talking, kind of, in his historical situation. He's looking at Rome. He's looking at Rome and being like, "Whoa, we have gotten way far away from the true gospel here. Uh, We have uh, there is a a works based, merit based approach to salvation that fundamentally misunderstands the way that the righteousness of God uh, is applied uh, to the human heart and salvation." And so, when he said it, he was basically saying. Hey, the heart of the Reformation here mm-hmm. is uh, that the church will not be reformed in our present moment unless we recapture the truth of justification. And so, what is it? Who among oh. us?
1: Who among us? I say, has not leaned toward hyperbole in a moment of tension?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true. And he <laughs> was a uh, he was a classic example of that <laughs> on good and bad friends. Um, <laughs> Uh what is it though? What is it? What are we talking about with justification? Who wants to take a who a shot?
2: I think the simplest definition would be to be declared right. Mm-hmm. Uh to be declared in the right. I mean so the doctrine of salvation that we're kind of exploring in this season has lots of different maybe a way to think of it is kind of like a kaleidoscope like if you kind of turn it a little bit it looks a little bit different. It's all true, it's all real, you can see it. Justification is legal terminology. Like it's a – think of like a court of law. You've been declared wrong. And this is mm-hmm. this is evangelicalism 101. Like this is probably the primary lens through which we view salvation. And it's true, and we want to emphasize it. There's other lenses through which we can view the atonement and what Christ accomplished for us. Things like honor and shame – dirty and clean like there's there's other things but justification in particular is an idea that we have been declared in the wrong because of our sinfulness but because of what christ has accomplished we can be declared in the right to be declared just
0: yeah boving says it's judicial and gracious Mm -hmm. yeah It's judicial in that God does not lead us into his kingdom without righteousness. It's gracious in that God could hold us to the terms of the law and condemn us. Mm -hmm. but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's judicial and it's gracious. N.T. Wright kind of cap weird sister quote with Bavink. You don't think about Wright and Bavink necessarily in the same space. But uh, he says this this way, and it's really well said in one sentence. No sin, no need for justification, no grace, no possibility of it. No sin, there's no need for justification. No grace, mm-hmm. there's no possibility for it. Mm-hmm. And that captures that judicial and gracious act dynamic that Bavink is trying to get us to look to. It's mm-hmm. judicial and it's gracious. If it was only one or the other, we'd be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's both.
1: That's good. So one of the pithy ways that people teach this is they say justified is just as if I'd never sinned. Like it? Mm-hmm. Hate it? What do you think?
0: Don't like it. Not a, not a fan. Because <laughs> justification is not merely the... Uh, f- justification is not God as the divine etch-a-sketch. Oh, you've mar- marked up the tablet, Kyle. Don't worry. I'll justify you. Shake the tablet. Shake the etch-a-sketch. Now a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Justification doesn't bring us back to neutral. It doesn't bring us back to status quo. It imputes to us the inexhaustible perfect, unbreakable righteousness of Christ Jesus. So it, it doesn't just like... Justification is not just forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And anything that suggests that it is fundamentally misunderstands that the blessing of justification isn't you're forgiven for what you've done. It's that you have been credited a righteousness that you can never lose. Mm-hmm. Did so, Adam have that righteousness?
2: Did Adam have the righteousness of Christ? Not of Christ, but like just as if Adam hadn't sinned. Does that change the way you think about it?
1: I don't Uh. think I understand punchy JT right now.
2: Well, I'm not not trying to push on what Kyle said. I think Uh I agree with him. I'm saying it feels Uh like what Kyle was responding to was our individual sinfulness, not kind of cosmic sinfulness. There's been two Adams. Uh And I'm asking Kyle the question, just if I hadn't sinned makes it sound like if I hadn't, I don't need justification But Mm -hmm. Romans 5 says, we have sinned. Why have we sinned? Because we are in Adam. Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm asking Mm -hmm.
2: Kyle if he would say just as, if justification is just as if Adam hadn't sinned. Or if there's something greater that Uh, God is granting us in addition to what Adam's sinlessness could have been. I don't know. That's a really
0: good question.
2: (laughs) Because I I agree with your answer. That's just... (laughs) I don't either. That's the question that came to my mind. Is <laughs>
1: knowing faith, about. where we don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes Welcome to don't
2: know faith. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Unknowing faith. But no, so, but
0: sometimes you hear a question. I mean, I mean, I think the audience has heard us hear, say this before. But like, the question J T just that I haven't thought about it. Yeah,
2: I don't, I don't, because you hear a, a lot question. of people talk about how like Revelation twenty one and twenty two is infinitely better than what Genesis right, one and two right, were right, supposed right, to right, be. Right. Like, we're going from a garden to a city. Like, there's lots of ways to right. think about this. And I'm just wondering, is what we have better Better than what what Adam uh, could have had, had he obeyed uh, or Eve? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't know the answer, and maybe there isn't one. I don't know. I kind of want to say no. Okay. Is that bad? I don't know.
0: That what we have isn't better than what Adam wouldn't have had apart from sin?
1: Well, I wrestle a little with the garden to city, with the way that the garden to city portrayal is— kind of overplayed sometimes. Like, I think it's an Mm -hmm. important metaphor, but it's not an exhaustive metaphor, as metaphors don't tend to be. And Mm -hmm. so I think that a city is better than a garden, but does that mean that every aspect of the city is better than what was in the garden? I would say no.
2: Not every aspect, but would you say any aspect?
1: Yeah, I think there would be some aspects that are better. In other words, the work that was given to Adam and Eve was intended to be a bettering work. Right.
2: Right. And mm. so, like uh, bringing order out of chaos.
1: Yes, a bettering work. And so, mm-hmm. but does that mean that grace gets better or goodness gets better? You know what I'm saying? Like God's goodness and grace don't get better just because humans are are bringing order out of chaos. They may be more fully expressed. I don't want. I don't want to go
0: too far down this trail because we are recording an episode in roughly two hours. Uh- <laughs> 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 on on this exact question of cosmic restoration. All right, fine. We can so, stop but, talking about it. No, but you're headed in the right direction because that's where we're headed in this conversation. But just to keep us here for one more moment. Justification, declaration of righteous, why do we need it, Jen? Why do we need to be justified? Why like why is this why do why because why this doctrine?
1: Yeah, because of the doctrine of God. Like, this brings us back to JT's opening point because God is just, and so he cannot mm-hmm. overlook sin, um, he cannot erase sin or dismiss sin. And, um, and sin must be the, the accounts must be justified. The question is, how will the accounts be justified? And the answer given to us in Christ is through his substitutionary death.
0: That's right. That's right. That like, uh, God, uh, must not acquit the guilty, mm-hmm. right?
1: And we don't, we don't want him to. Like we think we want him to, but anyone who's ever suffered an injustice knows that it's not mm-hmm. good to just simply wipe the slate clean from someone who has committed an injustice against someone else. And yeah, so, justification
2: for us, justice for others can yeah, be the inclination the, be of the, the human way heart. We,
1: absolutely, even after salvation, we lose sight of it.
2: Yep. I want acquittal, I want justice for them, and, but mm-hmm. that's where the doctrine of God becomes so central, and that's where I agree with what Martin Luther said in his historical context. Mm-hmm. But I think in the broader context, we would say we want a God who has both justice and mercy, and where those mm-hmm. things collide in the person mm-hmm. of Christ and in his cross and resurrection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So, we're talking about righteousness. We've, we've, taught, we've used that word a few times now, righteousness. What, what is Righteousness. I mean, it's probably important for us if we're saying we desperately lack this thing mm-hmm. and God graciously provides this thing, mm-hmm. what is it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is righteousness?
1: I have some thoughts. Would you like me to share them?
2: (laughs) Of course. We're we're waiting.
1: Yeah. So some synonyms for righteousness would be holiness. The first one to consider is holiness. In other words, utter purity, right? We don't have that. Um, But another synonym for righteousness is obedience. And I know we're going to talk about sanctification, so I don't want to get ahead into that episode either. But the reason that we are unrighteous is because we disobeyed. It's a, it's a function of disobedience, and we cannot possibly reobey ourselves into righteousness because once we have disobeyed, you know, anyone who is guilty of breaking any of the law has, has broken all of it, I think is the way that the Bible says it. So when we think about righteousness, we want to understand it as a purity that we lost, that we can't get back apart from um, it being imputed to us, as, um, as Kyle said earlier, through Christ. Would you go for
0: that? Yes, I would go for that. I would say that righteousness is the only thing that I would add to what you're saying there, Jen. And I think it's, I think you've got it in there just to state it, is part of righteousness is just like covenant obedience and obedience to the
1: law. That's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Is like, yeah. and I think, but I don't know that we always think of righteousness in those terms. And when we don't, when we don't understand that unrighteousness, like the reason we need justification is linked to breaking the law, that it's lawlessness, then we have a deficit in how we approach sanctification because we don't see it as a restoration of obedience to the law. But more on that
0: to come. Yes. But that's exactly right. Because I do think that sometimes we think of like, we talk a lot about righteousness as being required for salvation Mm -hmm. and not a lot about what righteousness is. Mm -hmm. And when we really sit down and look at the scope of Scripture, I think it's really clear that righteousness is fulfillment of the law of God. Yes. Which means that it is incredibly significant that Christ is perfect in his obedience, mm-hmm. because if he hasn't perfectly fulfilled the law, then he cannot secure for us the righteous standing that then can be applied to us by grace through faith mm-hmm. in Jesus. You know, Galatians 5, 12 through 21, or excuse me, 2, 15 through 21, I think it gets at this dynamic. It says, I'll read it for us because it talks about justification a lot in a few short verses and can give us some good fodder for the conversation. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm-hmm. This is explicitly tying justification to uh, fulfillment and obedience to the law. Now, what is Paul not saying? Paul's not saying the law doesn't matter. Paul's not saying the works of the law don't matter. Paul's just trying to say if you try to become righteous on your own by fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law by yourself, you're going to fail Mm -hmm. and die. It's not going to happen. He doesn't say Christ didn't fulfill the law. He didn't say that the law was irrelevant. He didn't say the law was inconsequential. He didn't say that the law wasn't beneficial. He didn't say the law wasn't wise. He didn't say any of those things. He merely said... Somebody has to perfectly fulfill this law, and it ain't going to be you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know who is? It's Christ. And when you put your faith and trust in him, do you know what he does? He declares you righteous. God declares you righteous because you're in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. and he perfectly fulfilled the law.
1: We're actually right now studying Exodus at my church, and we are getting into the Ten Commandments at this moment. And one of the ways that I'm learning to think about the law is— is as it relates to the wisdom tradition. And so when you think about the wisdom tradition of the two paths, right? And so you've got um, in all through Proverbs and even in the Psalms, this description of um, where people's feet run after and the path of life and the path of death, the path that goes down to Sheol, and uh, all of those things and how that path, the, the, the path of righteousness or the, you know, you make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. What is that path? That path of righteousness um, is is delineated by the law That's what Israel is told over and over again Oh that you would fear me always and obey my commandments Why? Because then you would walk the path You would walk the path And the path is the path of righteousness And yet they don't, we don't and there is one who does. And he even speaks of that path. He, he adopts the wisdom tradition in the words of the Sermon on the Mount when he says there is a broad path and there is a narrow path. And he knows as he speaks those words, he is even then walking it and will walk it to the finish so that we can have union with him.
0: Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? More copy today.
2: I think uh, an area of study that I'd like to explore more. This is not something I'm like kind of treading into waters saying, I'd like to know more about this, not let me teach you something. There's two Hebrew words, Zadoka and Mishpat. Mishpat, justice, Zadoka, righteousness. Uh, And I would argue, I, I do know this, these are two of the primary themes of the Old Testament that. God is both Mishpat and Zadokah. He does these things, and he calls us to be just and be righteous. And I just wonder, now that I'm th- hearing some of the things you guys are saying, m- m- justice and righteousness, you could almost say are justification and sanctification. Be mm-hmm. be just, but also do righteousness. Uh, you're going to be declared, like, again, these two things are two sides of the same coin. God is going to declare us righteous and also grant us sanctification. He's going to mm-hmm. grant us the power to walk in these good works.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: he's also calling us into them, like mm-hmm. obey, be be just, be righteous, because that's, that's who I am. And even thinking more about kind of the question that we didn't intend to start off with, with uh, Adam is, would we say, just as if Adam hadn't sinned. I just want, I, I would, I think God would have said, had he not ever disobeyed, he is just and right. But to get to some of your ter- terrain, Kyle, he's not in Christ. Right. Yeah, that was the one thing. He's mm-hmm. with them. And, and I think there's something about kind of union with Christ, which, which we already explored a little bit, is there is a, a, a greater depth of justice and righteousness mm-hmm. for those who've been granted union with God. Not just like proximity to God. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. yeah, I think so. That when when we were talking about it twelve minutes ago or whatever, that's what I was thinking in my head was the only major difference, or the probably the biggest felt difference in terms of a benefit.
2: Like justification isn't is is a subset of what we talked about with union with Christ. And Adam had proximity to God, but those who are in Christ have God in them with them. Ken this is an mad.
1: interesting turn of events for the Christophany guy.
2: Tell me more. We, I did, I did Christology <laughs> last night. I had a lot of questions. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I've got some bullets in the chamber. Let's, I don't know. Let's I'm go. A
1: Factor in how if we say that Christ was in the beginning, right? Mm. Then why would we assume that humanity? Now, I, I can think of a, an answer to this, but let me just say the question: Why would we assume that? Um, humanity prior to the fall did not enjoy union with Christ. Now, I think what you would say is union with Christ cannot be broken.
0: Yeah, it can't be
2: broken. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But was there a prototypical union with
2: Christ? I think there is proximity. <laughs> I mean, again, if we're talking about Christophanes, and again, yeah. I, this the, this is not a hill to die on. I think Christ in a pre-incarnate form is walking in the garden with them. He's, yeah. he's with them. He's fellowshipping with them, communing with them. <laughs> But he isn't in them in the way that we get to experience Christ dwelling in us richly, as Paul would say, or the spirit of Christ in us, not just with us. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of redemptive history, I think what justification offers us is Adam. And again, we obviously justification only matters because of the doctrine of sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about anthropology, doctrine of God, like justification is a subset of like seven different things that we would all agree upon that need to be kind of essentially true before they could be particularly true of us. Mm -hmm. Adam, before sin, did not need to be declared right, Mm -hmm. because he's taxonomizing the animals, he's creating order. But there becomes a moment in Genesis 3 where both he and Eve are in need of justification, they're in need of a declaration of, you're in the right, and I'm going to be present with you still. Exile, and this is exile, we haven't talked about this in terms of soteriology, could, I I would argue, Kyle, I'd be interested in your thoughts here— helps us understand in greater depth union with christ if you're thinking about biblical theology terms like one of the greatest consequences of our sinfulness in genesis 3 isn't just that we are wrong but that we have to depart from the presence of god Mm -hmm. and one of the greatest Mm -hmm. gifts in salvation isn't just that we're declared right but we're declared right because god is in our presence again not just with us but in us Mm -hmm. so exile is over does that make sense Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why all Christophanies are true, Jen.
1: Okay. Who can we invite on the show who would know stuff about this?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows about this. Moses. <laughs> Moses? Moses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It wasn't Moses really just a pre incarnate Christ. I and mean, I got to tell no, you, definitely not. I got to tell you,
0: I love our conversations. And even I am. Thoroughly free with the run sheets that I myself write and send to you both. And I don't know what was in y'all's coffee this morning, but it you Kyle. guys, this is like a Jackson Pollock painting of the run sheet that I sent to you guys. I, I, I didn't mean, even is.
1: read the run sheet.
0: <laughs> what a comfort to me, truly. And what a comfort to our audience. Hey,
2: uh, hey so let's simplify this because we have gone a, a few... <laughs> slightly if we're simplifying this and maybe this is the first time somebody's heard about justification this is an incredibly important doctrine that that shouldn't be taken lightly the basic idea is that because we have been made in god's image we've sinned against him and we are in need of being made right why mm-hmm. because god is just and we're either going to be declared in the wrong which would be eternal punishment and that's That's not a laughing matter. Like God is just, and there is consequences Mm -hmm. to our sin and to the brokenness of the world. But because of what Christ has done and because of union with Christ, because of his death, burial, resurrection, the sending of the spirit, by faith, Mm -hmm. like just by faith, by Mm -hmm. saying, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we can be declared right. Mm -hmm. And if we just like pastorally or ministerially think about this, Think about all of the brokenness just in the, in the, in the three of our lives. Like there's mm-hmm. brokenness in my life. Like I, mm-hmm. even as pastors and ministers and teachers and people who care about these things deeply, like there's still brokenness in our lives. There's things that we wish, like I think of Romans chapter seven. I'm so thankful for that chapter. There's things that I don't do that I wish I did. There's things that I do that I don't wish I did. And uh, man, what a gift mm-hmm. that fuels sanctification or fuels godly living is to say that there is a God in heaven who is my father, and because of the work of his son, he looks at me and says, you're in the right. I've paid for every single injustice. I've paid for every single sin. I've paid for every single wrongdoing. And because I love you so much, I want you to follow me. Follow me in godly living and follow me in holiness. That's what we'll talk about in the next episode.
1: Let's fall back on the doctrine of God one more time as we kind of land the plane on this. What has been, here's a mixed metaphor, land the plane on this rodeo. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: That no, very fitting for the episode we we have just now recorded.
1: Yeah, um, because God is all knowing, we can know that our justification is full mm-hmm. because He's omnipotent. We can know that it is efficacious. In other words, He does not forgive us only of the sins we confess. He does not forgive us only of the sins of which we have knowledge. He forgives us of every single mm. sin. Every single one, the ones that we have forgotten about, the ones that we have downplayed or not even recognized as sin, the ones that we have confessed, the ones that will remain unconfessed when we die. He has forgiven all of those in Christ. And because and he the ones has that are in the, the future. that's right. He has the knowledge, he has knowledge of all of them, and he has the power to do so. Um, we can rely on the doctrine of justification being complete in its work.
0: That's good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Second Corinthians 5.21, um, for our sake, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Uh, and uh, Calvin says about this verse, it is in the same manner assuredly that we are now righteous in him, not in respect of our rendering satisfaction to the justice of God, By our own works, but because we are judged of in connection with Christ's righteousness, which we have put on by faith, that it might become ours. So, Calvin has landed the plane on this rodeo for us here. And when we think about (laughs) when we think about this righteousness that we have, don't make Calvin
2: mix metaphors. That's not just. No, I, no, no,
0: no. I'm just, uh, I'm putting Jin's words in Calvin's mouth. Uh, Jen, Jen has never gotten in trouble for someone taking someone else's words and no, putting them in No, never. Trouble. That's
1: never happened. Never. <laughs> just whisper about it a little bit.
2: I was going to say, let's whisper our way out yeah. of this episode.
0: <laughs> it's, I think, one of the things that is really important for us as we consider this, is that like the declaration of righteousness that God pronounces over his people is a foundation for fellowship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with justification, sometimes in really evangelistic environments, we make the point so emphatic about our need for forgiveness mm-hmm. but the for, but God's forgiveness that he grants is a foundation for fellowship. Mm-hmm. God is not inviting his people to merely be the people of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. He is inviting them to be the people he dwells with mm-hmm. and that That's has right. been the story from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this forensic foundation or legal foundation of righteousness is now the new context for a brand new relationship in Christ it's not an abstract or conceptual thing. It's not legalese. Some have suggested that it's a calloused approach to dealing with our relationship with God, and it's not. Mm. It is a foundation that we stand upon for a vibrant, intimate, personal, communal, incorporated fellowship with the divine. And uh,
2: that, I think, is of incredible significance. Mm. So. Kyle, can I just, I know you're, you're, we're transitioning right here. Give me 30 seconds. Can I, I'm going to just kind of speak personally, pastorally here. Justification for me can always feel like a, I don't mean heady in the sense of intellectual, but it's like, how can I know? Like it, it can be the, how, how can I know that I've been justified? How, how can I, is it just because like, I believe I've read this doctrinal statement. The early church had a practice that I think gets exactly at what you were just saying in terms of ways that we embody, not just justification, but all the doctrines of, of salvation um, that, when a new convert was had placed their faith in Christ, their life had been observed, and they're wanting to join the fellowship, your term, not just of God, but of the church, they would get baptized. And baptism for them was a process of the early church. They, a new convert would come to the waters of baptism. They would turn to the east, which represents Babel, represents Babylon represents the, the chaos of the world. And they would say things like, I renounce the ways of this world. I renounce Satan, sin, and death. I renounce my practices in this world. And I desire to fellowship with the with the saints. I desire to fellowship with God. I desire to enter the kingdom. They would typically be wearing a black robe representing their, their sin, representing their brokenness, representing the unrighteousness that they're bringing to the waters of baptism. And they would typically disrobe and they'd enter the waters of baptism. And this is Really important. The early church had male and female deacons. Just if anybody's a little worried about this right now, and they would baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, renouncing their sins. and And we think about not only what God is doing in baptism, but you think about the imagery and the typology of Exodus or of entering the land of Canaan. Of God's people are being granted not just fellowship with with the saints, but union with Him. They would emerge from the waters of baptism, and they would be they would be granted a white robe. And just think about what that would have felt like. All of your sins have been left in the waters of baptism. All of your sins have been paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Justification isn't just a thing that we need to think about. I wonder if there's ways that churches can can continually embody, certainly through baptism, but embody this. You're now granted something that's white, that's righteous, that's good. There's no blot, there's no stain, there's no sin that is on you anymore. And they would then enter in with their new family of brothers and sisters who also had been granted this by faith of the church, and they would have their first communion. So I I just, if you're listening to this right now, I just want to offer to you justification might be a term or an idea that you've been familiar with for a long time. There might be ways that you or your community can practice this idea of, I'm now right. I've been declared just. I've been declared in fellowship with God. And now that I have His spirit, I can walk in that rightness. And that's what we'll get to next week of uh, this idea of sanctification.
0: That's right. Well, you can find Knowing Faith on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Leave us a review and in your review on Apple Podcasts, drop a question in there, we'll consider it for a future Q&A episode. Uh, we get a lot of people, I get a lot of people who will message me and go like, "Hey, how can we how can we help Knowing Faith or how can we bless Knowing Faith?" And it's like, "Hey, I know this sounds like such a crazy thing, but if you leave a review, it actually helps." I know it's a weird world. I know it's a weird like I <laughs> I don't even know how it all works, okay? But if you want other people to find the show for some way, the Internet Algorithm Machine... Does that That's what it does So anyways Leave us a review If you want to help the show out If you want to find out more About what we have going on With our podcast network You can go to train the Slash support And find some stuff over there You can get early access Episodes over there So go check it out Check out our sister show Starting place with Elizabeth Woodson She is having some Incredible guests on Walking through the story Of scripture At a level that is Really built for new Christians And so Exploring what Christians Believe and why it matters Is the goal of the show And the early episodes have been fantastic. So go take a listen over there. In our next episode on the doctrine of salvation, we'll look at sanctification. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace.